Well, good morning, everybody. And um, yeah, first of all, thanks, Philippa, for you leading us in prayer and uh, opening the service today. And um, thank you for coming to watch today and being part of it. You know, welcome One Hopers and anyone else that's watching. You might notice that everything's a little bit different today. We're filming from a different place. It's a different service today. And as we shared with you last week, we are doing a missions service today. And we're going to chat about missions and hear a bit from Luke and Agnes as well this morning. Um, it was always the plan for Luke and Agnes to be here at this time of year um, to give birth to their new son, Elisha. And we had always planned to do a mission service with them. And when, this, when, when we came to doing church online, we wondered whether we could still do it. And we decided we still wanted to go ahead and do it. We still want to... Uh, hear from them, but we still want to share the heart of God for missions. And um, I just thought at first, we've, we've got baby Elisha here, and I know many of you are wanting to see baby Elisha. And so have a bit of a virtual look. You know, there's a bit of a tradition at One Hope. We have lots of babies that come to One Hope. And if you're a new mother that comes to One Hope with a baby, chances are you'll lose the baby at the door and you won't see it again until you go home again. Someone's going to come and hold your baby for the whole service. We can't do that right now, so those of you and, you and you know who you are, come and have a virtual hold now and uh, see this wonderful gift of God that, uh, that God gave Luke and Agnes. Um, what a celebration, um, just even to see that and to be part of that. And um, we're going to hear from them soon. I'm going to share for a little bit and then we're going to talk with them and they're going to share with us. So um, we just pray that you would enjoy uh, and just hear God's heart for missions through the things that we're talking about today. Those of you that know me know that there's two things that I love to talk about, and they're usually missions and discipleship. You know, I think that they are the key pillars of our call here as kingdom people. Um, and it's not like a 50-50, you know, I'm 50% committed to missions and 50% to discipleship. They're not just two things that I really like. Not a bit of this and a bit of that. They go hand in hand. In fact, discipleship is the mission, is missions. And, um, you know, I was thinking we just finished this, this series on, on Jesus' I am statements. And I don't know if you're watching and listening to some of those. Um, but we just finished um, a whole series on the I am statements. Let me just read a few verses that we looked at in John chapter 15 uh, for you now. Just to, uh, yeah, just as we talk about. Uh, how Jesus looks at mission and discipleship. So in John chapter 15, um, a few verses here from John 15 verse 12, Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask, the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And those verses are kind of really key for me in understanding a little bit more 
about missions, who a missionary is, and what discipleship is. First of all, who is he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. What's he talking about? He's talking about mission. He's been talking about that right through John. He's been preparing them. How is, he, how, how is mission going to happen? What, and it's through discipleship. You go out and bear fruit. And we know what fruit God was looking for. He talks about love. He talks about loving one another. He talks about laying down your life if you love. And then he says, you're no longer my servants, but your friends. And then he comes to that line where he says, and you didn't choose me, I chose you. It wasn't a case of, well, you know, this seems like a good guy. Let's hang out with him. Or this is a good idea. He says, no, I chose you. You didn't decide that this might be a good life or a vocation or a career with great benefits. It might be a job with potential. It wasn't you that did that. I chose you because you are my friends. I love you. And love, well, love can cost, can't it? It will cost me. Jesus knew it would cost him. It will cost me. And if you love others like I do, then the inference is, then it's going to cost you. So Jesus here was preparing them to be followers, to be disciples. He was preparing them for missions. You know, and when you think about these guys, these guys were no model candidates, were they, for a team to build a movement that would have its roots in sacrificial love and sacrifice. If you were going to build a movement that was going to be all about love and, and sacrificial love and serving, um, and you were trying to build a team to build the church, people that were going to represent you into the future, you know, and, and across the known world or the world as it come, these guys were pretty unlikely candidates. <laughs> They weren't models. You know, we've got a tax collector. We've got a you know, tax collector who is, who, who is hired by the Romans. We've got fishermen that are probably the bottom rung of the professional world, the, the, the tradies that, that, um, that, that, uh, that are not really high in society. And then you have a couple of zealots. And the zealots were against Rome, and, and, and they would have hated someone like Matthew who's a tax collector who was hired by Rome. None of these guys would have got a second interview if you were putting a team together for your business. But Jesus said you weren't just chosen, you were appointed. There's destiny there, isn't it? Verse 16, chosen and appointed. There was a destiny on these guys. Jesus had Matthew 28 firmly fixed in his mind. Go and make disciples of all nations. How would that mission be expressed? Through discipleship. And I'm going to use these guys. I will use who I choose. And as they go and serve, they'll see me. They'll know me deeper. They'll grow in me. Right when they're in the thick of serving me, that's when they're going to grow. You know, this has always been God's strategy. Right through history. Church mission is first and foremost about discipleship. And it's something that we need as we go, we grow. You know, often um, we've used language in the past where, you know, the world needs the church to go into missions. Like, you know, the world needs missions. You know, actually, that might be true, but I think the church needs missions. We need missions. There's something about God 
that we miss if we neglect missions, if we neglect going and making disciples. There's something about the, a complete picture of who our God is unless we go and make disciples. Discipleship is also the DNA of One Hope Community Church. You will have heard us talk about discipleship. You know that that's right in the centre of what we talk about with our vision and our mission and the way that we want to grow our own people as a church. And we're very committed to it. And normally we would get Luke and Agnes when they're here. We'd get them up the front in church and we'd get them to tell us about Uganda and what's happening in Uganda and how things are going there um, and how they're, how they're experiencing it. And that's a really good thing. But today we've asked them to share about themselves. We, want, we wanted them to share or we wanted to hear about their call to missions. You know, we just talked about Jesus said to the disciples, I chose and appointed you. How did he do that in Luke and Agnes's life? And how is their call to missions expressed in discipleship or through discipleship? How God chose them and perhaps it was unexpected that he chose them. Very different people. If you, if you know Luke and Agnes, and I know them quite well, they're very different people with very different backgrounds, and yet God chose them to go and serve together. Yet they're chosen as missionaries to go and bear fruit. Appointed specifically for this. And so we want to hear from them and talk to them about that. So I'm going to ask them a few questions and ask them to share, and I just want to invite you just to, to listen to their stories and give thanks to God as you hear some of the things that they share. So Luke and Agnes, I think the first thing that we'd really like to know and, and, and um, like to hear is, is just a bit of your testimony. Could you share your testimony, how God called you and to what? What, what did he call you to? What was that like? Mm. Um, so thank you, Andrew. So, yeah, as you said, Agnes and I have very different paths or different, very different backgrounds that we've both come from. Um, you know, especially with me rather growing up in kind of a very privileged life, um, you know, in a wealthy family and, um, and Agnes coming from a background with more poverty in it. But it's interesting that God is still, you know, he's brought us together and on the same mission, working in the same ministry, um, married together that, you know, he's used our different backgrounds. Um, so for me personally, I know I've shared my testimony a few times at One Hope before, but, um, yeah, just going over it a bit. Um, so I grew up um, here in Australia. I grew up in a very kind of um, a loving home, secure home, um, had everything that kind of I needed. Um, and yeah, it was a Christian home. And so I had that background. I was in the church as a, um, as a, yeah, as a child and also as a young teenager. Um, and then around about um, in my late teenage years, kind of young adult years, walked away from the church um, Walked away from all of that, was very rebellious, very destructive, got into a lot of partying and drinking and drugs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, just, um, you know, life was becoming a bit of a, a mess, my life was around that time. But um, yeah, praise God that he saved me from that. Um, he, he, he saved me by his grace um, and pulled me out of that and changed my life um, Uganda played a big role in that, uh, going to Uganda, being a part of a, a team for Hope Builders and staying there for a year and living um, in Christian community, seeing how Christians were interacting with one another, obviously being exposed more to you know, the, the Christian gospel. But I also want to say that my, um, 
my family background and having seeds planted in my life mm. throughout mm. was a big thing as well. As much as it was a born again experience, it was also a returning home experience in a way. Um, um, so yeah, I think that was important. So while I was in Uganda, I fell in love with the people there, um, especially I had a connection with young people, um, um, you know, and also had that love for uh, mentoring and discipling young people as I was also being mentored and discipled. Um, and I think with my kind of background and uh, kind of rebellious, destructive background, it kind of prepared me um, for working with a lot of young people who are going through maybe similar things mm -hmm. or uh, different struggles. Um, and, you know, a lot of young people over in Uganda, they can struggle because sometimes there might not be a lot of grace towards young people when they stuff up or when they do something wrong. Um, a lot of them have felt strong condemnation, um, even in the church. Um, and I find a lot of the time the young people there, you know, when they, when they mess up, they, they want to do the right thing. They want to change, but they just haven't had a lot of experience of someone coming alongside them and, you know, giving them another chance. Um, and I felt kind of my background prepared me for that. Um, probably have a bit more grace towards people, young, especially young guys, um, to give them a second chance. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I've been, since 2013, living full-time in Uganda with Youth Support Uganda. And then Agnes and I got married in 2014 and we've been working alongside each other. So mm. that's a little bit about my background and how I was called to mm. my work. Um, so falling in love with Ugandan people kind of actually bore fruit with one special Ugandan course, person, yes. wasn't it? <laughs> fell in you love know, with one You fell in love with Ugandan. one a little bit more than all the others. Um, and Agnes has a totally different background. So mm. Agnes, can you share a little bit of your testimony, how God called you? Yeah, thank you. Um, it's a bit different background, like me and Luke just as I said in the beginning. I um, I grew up in a, I don't know, I can call the family, but a unfunctional family. First growing up, my mom and dad were not together. Part of my life, I grew up with my mom. Then part, I grew up, with, I was with my dad. And then things changed when they passed on. I was with my grandmother. Mm. I went to my aunties, I moved from place to place, so it was all over the place, you know. I went from different homes to different homes, and, you know, you know, like, lots of things happen, you know, when you move from relatives to relatives, like, you know, a lot of things happened. We went through a number of challenges, like, you know, um, bit luck, um, of basic needs, education was a struggle, and you know physical abuse and you know we you beaten and all that a lot of things happened and you know as i was growing up my heart held a lot on two people i you know had something to hold on this person on this relative on this person so and i held it to myself i didn't share you know i wasn't given a platform to share with anyone so I was bitter inside me though I was quiet and you know it's good that I needed so as when I finished my senior four would be year 10 here God opened up an opportunity for me to move to a different town and uh, to a foster home and it was really good because mm. in this place um, God nurtured me spiritually uh, he taught me to forgive 
I saw how loving these people were. You know, it was a beautiful place to go. God did not only give me a home, but a family, a new family. He really taught me a number of things. He, he taught me to forgive. I saw how these kids were loved in this home. And, you know, as time went on, God gave, put this yearning in my heart, you know, to help, mm. you know, to help someone. And inside me, I thought, you know, if God opened up an opportunity, at first it was children. I could love to help children too. And, I, you know, grew up wanting to support a child. I was like, one time I'll do this. So time goes on, God opened up opportunities. I went to school, I went to, the, to university. But then, like sometimes, this is what you want to do, but God has a purpose for you. I just believe God had a purpose in my life and, you know, it was helping. So when I finished university, I started helping women like in the community, you know, just helping them, talk to them, teach them what I learned so they can improve their lives. And then from there, that's, you know, how God kept on using me in different levels. And mm -hmm. time it reached, it wasn't about like particularly I have to do with children, but I was like, it felt so good and so peaceful for me to help someone. So that's when I met Luke and it was really so easy for me to embrace the calling of, you know, and joining in YSU because it was, you know, about helping, serving God, improve someone's life. It was so easy for me to, you know, to join up and come and embrace the vision, helping young th single mothers, helping teenage mothers. And, you know, in doing this, I was also helping their children. When I talked to them, listened to them, it also improved the lives of their children. Mm -hmm. Then, yeah. Wow. Coming, yeah. That's so cool just to hear that. You know, when we think about God choosing you, how right back then he chose to take you out of that place, put you into a foster family that, that, that he used to remove that bitterness and to teach you that there is grace and love for people and to see you expressing that now to so many young ladies in Uganda and seeing how God's done that. It's just really amazing. Well, thanks for sharing those testimonies. Um, I had another question, you know, how important was or is discipleship uh, for you personally? Mm -hmm. You know, how and who and, and how important is it for you to, to be a disciple, but also to be discipled? And, and how have you seen that? Right. So, um, yeah, discipleship is very important to Agnes and I, both personally, but also how that um, outflows into YSU and, and the ministry over in Uganda. Um, and we really want to see that everything that we do in our programs over there are kind of underlined with Christian discipleship. Mm. Um, we think that's very important. I mean, you can, you can teach someone great English skills, business skills, things like that, but if, you're not, if people aren't being moved towards Christ, you're missing something. Mm. So um, it's very important for us to um, be discipling others, but also to be discipled. We have that in, personally in Uganda. We have... Uh, people who can hold us accountable and can teach us and can, you know, help guide us. Um, and then we are able to also do that to young people over there. And I think that's important for every Christian, wherever you're at, um, have someone above you to guide you, mentor you, disciple you, and then for you to be passing on um, to others underneath you um, mm -hmm. or, or maybe who are more 
not as mature in the faith as you, that you, you have something you can pass on yeah. to them. I yeah. think that's important. Um, I particularly feel called towards young men. I work in Uganda a lot with the young men, obviously um, can relate more with them, I'm probably more comfortable with them. Whereas Agnes is great with the young women. Uh, I think that just comes naturally, especially over in the culture over there. Yep. So how do, we, how do we disciple over in Uganda um, or in our ministry? Well, sometimes it can be structured. Sometimes that means we have a specific program, a Bible study program or, you know, a weekend youth program or something like that. And that works really well. But um, a lot of the time it's also kind of organic. So it means walking alongside someone in their life or someone living with you in your home or coming over for dinner or spontaneous conversations that arise when you're going for a hike with a couple of guys or something like that. Um, I find those moments for discipleship are just as important, maybe more than, um, than structured programs. Though the structured programs have been very helpful for us to get in touch with new people. Um, I also, something I was reflecting on is the, you often see in the, in the scriptures, you see Jesus when he's discipling people, he has, you see he has a large group of people following him that he's teaching to. Mm-hmm. And then he has this smaller group of the 12 uh, disciples who's mm-hmm. much more intimate. Indeed, yeah. And then again, you see, he seems to be quite close with Peter, uh, John and James, I think yes. it is. So yeah. that's been a good model for us. Like we may have a group of maybe 30 to 50 youth who regular on the weekends and we can talk to them on the weekend programs and stuff like that. And then there's probably maybe eight or 10 youth who we're, you know, who might do part-time work for us, but we, we know them a little bit better, kind of a bit more involved in their lives. And then again, I probably, I'm very close to maybe two or three young guys, maybe like Solomon, who's doing, um, uh, studying at Bible college or Mpima mm. who's studying to be a doctor who we really invest um, in heavily. And I think that model is good because it allows you to speak broadly to many people while not being so exhausted that I have to be so intimately involved in every single one of these people's lives. I mean, God kind of calls those people into your life who yeah. you, you know, specifically get involved with. Um, and then one more thing I'll add as well is for us personally, like in our ministry uh, at YSU, we don't want to be a substitute for the, the church. Mm-hmm. Um, we encourage all our young people to be plugged into a local church. That's mm-hmm. very important mm-hmm. for us. We don't want our programs to be their church fellowship. Um, but that's why we work closely with, with churches over there. And yeah. we, wanna, we think that um, discipleship always needs to be connected to the, to the local church body. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think of the Ugandan sort of culture and the people you're working with, and perhaps maybe even considering... Uh, the background and it seemed apparent in our conversations and we've seen before why is discipleship perhaps the most important missions activity you know there's lots of things you can do in Uganda you can give food you can education and they're all necessary and all sorts of traditional mission things but why would you say in Ugandan culture probably the most important missional activity is discipleship Hmm. so in Uganda the church in Uganda does have a lot of strengths I'd say one of their strengths is evangelizing there's this real sense in the 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 church in uganda of wanting to win the world for christ um, being victorious for christ going out and preaching the gospel that's definitely there and that can result in a lot of like you know uh evangelizing missions or crusades Mm. and things like Mm. that on the flip side maybe one of probably a weakness is discipleship the day-to-day discipleship of um helping people to grow in their faith 
with Christ. So, you know, people may have the gospel preached to them at a crusade, but then they're kind of left not knowing how to daily grow, how to daily live as a Christian. Um, sometimes the only opportunity really for discipleship is the Sunday morning service, um, which is never enough for anyone. You know, we need to, to be discipled um, regularly. Some churches are changing, or some churches uh, do see the importance of that, but I have seen that they struggle to, to, to know how to do discipleship outside of a, a structured program. Mm. So, yes, you'll have your Wednesday night Bible study or your weekend youth fellowship, um, which is great, but sometimes there's not a lot of um, inviting them alongside to teach you, like especially young people, how to live, how, how does the Christian life work um, and that's really important um, I think sometimes just as important as a Bible study a weekly Bible study at church is say for example inviting a young person into your home so they can watch mm. okay how how does someone act as a father how does someone act as a, um, a husband really when, important. Yeah, yeah when they've not had a lot of that influence or they've yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's been lacking in their life um, I think they can get maybe a lot more out of that than perhaps a structured weekly program. Though I'm not putting down the structured weekly yep. programs, they're, yep. they're also very necessary. Um, discipled Christians change communities. Um, some A Christian who's heard the message and say, yep, I've accepted Christ, but then they're not discipled, they often in Uganda, you see them living in ignorance. Living in ignorance means they're often living in sin. Uh, their life can still be a mess and... Um, and then obviously that impacts the community as a whole. Whereas Christians, the ones who are being discipled and are growing in their faith, um, they're the ones who impact their community because they go on to disciple others, obviously, as well. Um, I will say that as well, um, with discipleship, a lot of the time we think of discipleship as, okay, you come, come and watch me as I live like Christ. Watch how I do it. But I found... Particularly something that's been very powerful over there is um, showing young people repentance. So in Uganda, there's a bit of a culture of authority. And if you're in a position of authority and you've messed up, to go to someone who would be considered below you or under your authority and apologize to them, that just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So the times where maybe I have been too harsh or I've gotten frustrated at a young person and spoken in anger at them and then come to them and said, you know what, that was wrong. I'm really sorry about that. I, I, I apologize that I hurt your feelings. Those times have also been, um, I think, yeah, really impactful for young people, that kind mm -hmm. of example. I think that's important as well. We shouldn't yeah. forget that. Yeah. So I guess there's this whole sense where discipleship is actually taking them step by step closer to Christ mm. rather than closer to an activity. Right. Um, and the other thing that you're sort of saying is changed people change people. Mm. If you're not changed, you're not going to change other people. And, and you know, this whole sense of, you know, not just watching how I live, but, you know, talking about Christ with me and helping to understand how I can live in that same way. Yep. You mentioned um, people like uh, Solomon and Pima, uh, you know, um, where you've seen discipleship work and bear fruit. Um, maybe, Agnes, have, can you share an example where it's worked, where you've seen in your work in discipleship where you've actually seen it bear fruit? Yeah. I've really seen this work. Um, you know, I've seen... We've, we've had a number of girls, because just as we said, um, so, so much focused with the, with the young girls and teenage young mothers and all 
So we've seen a lot, uh, a lot of them in our, our ministry, and you know we've seen a number of them improve their lives and also go back and help their families and improve their families. And even before I go a bit far to the girls, because I began, you know, the discipleship with my family, talking to my brother, talking to my sisters, mm, taking them mm. through and, you know, seeing them, how they, they now also help other people. They yeah. also guide their yeah. people. It's an achievement, you know, because not so many people go out and reach out to their relatives. Actually, it can be so hard. So I've seen that. And with the girls, it's really hard to choose one, but, you know, we've seen a number of them, but there is this particular one young girl that I met in 2013, Damari, when the ministry was just beginning. She was in our pioneer class. And, you know, this class, we really took them through, talked to them, encouraged them, you know, invited them to our, you know, the things that we did. I've seen her grow up, you know, not the financial part of it or the tailoring part of it, but even in the discipleship. Because, like, you know, when she finished, she opened up a small shop and she employed some girls. She talks to them, people in the village, how she's there. She helps her family, you know. It's one way of yeah. she's also like using what she has learned yeah. from us yeah. to, you know, reach out to the community and to the girls in the community and empower them also. And we've also invited her, you know, back to come and talk to the new girls yeah. and encourage cool. them, tell yeah. them about God, what God has done in her uh -huh. life. Mm. And every time she has returned back, we've seen God continuously working in her wow. life and also discipling and also helping in yeah. reaching yeah. out to the new girls yeah. we have. So, yeah. 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 Uh, oh, sorry, I just wanted to add another small example on there. Not maybe particular people's names, but I will say that one of the, um, one of the things that's really been impactful when it comes to discipleship is when we've had a few few of those examples of young people we've been working closely with, and then there's a big disappointment, which happens regularly when you're discipling people. Mm -hmm. And instead of giving up on that person, you know, I'm talking about things like maybe getting someone pregnant, a girl pregnant, or stealing, they're caught stealing something. Instead of giving up on them, we've found that walking alongside them, helping them to face the consequences of their action, but having grace and, and walking alongside them has actually... I've, that's where I've seen people really grow once they've been brought through an experience yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So. And it's really interesting. What I love about your example is, you know, we often think of discipleship and, and what you guys are doing. You're discipling people in Uganda and far away. And we often think, well, maybe that's, I'm not called to go to Uganda or far away. But if you listen to Agnes's example, one of the first discipleship um, one of the first people she discipled was her own family. Her brother Douglas now is, is an example to me. You know, her brother Douglas now works in our organisation with Why She was one of the leaders. And to see this young man who's really following after God and, and being discipled by his older sister, that you see the results that that's missions. There's someone working in missions. And I think that's a great example, a great, um, a great a testimony to how missions works. You know, so... This is missions, you know, we often talk about mission. We think of a missionary that's wearing a strange suit and a, and a funny hat that's, that's in the middle of, you know, thousands of kids and, and, and they're definitely missionaries. 
But what I want us to understand is that ordinary people like this, God chose and calls to missions. And missions looks like that, looks like living your life, sharing what the change that's happened in your life with other people. And, you know, so I can't... I started saying but my passion is missions and discipleship and, and one hope is you know me. I can't not wrap this up by saying, what about you? You know, you're a normal person, I'm a normal person. When you listen to this, you know, God's calling you to be a missionary. And maybe you're thinking, well, this is not for you maybe or, you know, missions is only for special and religious people, you know, that speak the right language or perhaps you think, well, I don't really know enough or I'm not good enough. Maybe you're even scared when you hear some of these stories and, and when you think, wow, you know, I'm, I'm scared to do this. Or I'm too different. I'm not like other missionary type people. You know, when I first met Luke, I probably wouldn't have put him on my list as potential missionaries. He turned up at my door in the middle of winter with dreadlocks in bare feet. Wasn't quite what I had in mind at the time, you know. And perhaps you're thinking, I'm not the missionary type. You know, you might be thinking, well, I'm saved and... And I'm a friend of God, but oh, no, I could never. And, you know, fill that in for yourself. Or you might be thinking, well, I have dreams and, and I've made my decisions and plans. I know what I'm doing with my life, you know. And I need God to come and say, well, I chose you to do this or that. You know, it takes all kinds of different people. You might not think you're the, the you know, the, the typical missionary person. You might not even think, you know, you're thinking about it. But let me just share a couple of examples with you that might just smash your theories of who could be a missionary or what type of person God calls. And I think, I'll start with myself. When I was, when I was a young, uh, in my early 20s, my dream was cars and I was in the motor trade and I was going to, and actually before that I was going to be a fireman and a policeman like every young guy was going to be. But then I was going to have a car dealership and I was going to get wealthy and I was going to go into business and I certainly wasn't expecting to be called overseas and uh, that's where I ended up and I certainly hadn't planned to be a missionary or in in ministry but when we were overseas we really experienced God calling us and saying I chose you to go and bear fruit you know another example I want to share with you is a friend of mine his name is Ed he's been in youth with the mission for 42 years and um, he has a really interesting story when he was in his early 20s in Canada, he was the head of the Satanist movement in Canada. And right in the middle of a, whatever these Satanists do, a Satanist service or something, God called him 42 years ago. And now this man teaches biblical worldview, the nature and character of God, all over the world to young people. I would never... And he would never have thought he was a missionary. Another, another young guy that, that I knew, his name is Jan or, or John in, in Holland. And I met him many years ago and he was a young man and he was a football hooligan. And those of you that are a little bit, um, uh, that understand European football a little bit would know that that's quite radical. He was from a team in the west of Holland and he was part of a group that, that did the things you see on TV, throwing chairs through windows, bashing people that didn't, uh, support the team that they and it was quite a stronghold and he came he met Jesus didn't know how to live it out and he came to work with me and came to be discipled um, and to cut a really long story short the first time we went to Amsterdam he just wanted to hurt people anyone was from Amsterdam was from the opposing team but now 
He works as a missionary, lives in the red light district in Amsterdam and serves the homeless and looks after the needy in Amsterdam. He would never have considered himself a missionary and many would not have either. And then we have biblical examples. Think of Paul. Paul was on his way as Saul to persecute Christians, to do everything that he could against this God. And in the middle of doing that, God said, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit. He wasn't looking for God. In fact, he was on his way to persecute Christians. And he went on to teach and disciple the known world. You know, none of these people, and I could, I could share more examples, none of these people, including me, would have been typical candidates for missionaries. And so when you say, and when someone asks you, and you say, well, I don't know if I could do that. You probably can't. It needs to be a call from God. But we know from his word that he is calling us. Because Jesus, yet Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. That message is for me, for Luke and Agnes, for each one of us. How does that make you feel? It's too hard. It might cost me something. Yeah, there is a price. But Jesus led the way. He was the first missionary. He paid an enormous price so that we could have life, have eternal life. And it's fruit, and, and he... He paid a huge price. He bore fruit that not just lasts, like the Bible says, but it's eternal. It goes on forever. When I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a song that Keith Green wrote a long time ago. And I know that many of you probably don't know who that is, and some of you will know who that is. But Keith Green wrote a song, and in this, in, in, there's a line in the song that goes like this. It says, Jesus commands us to go. It should be the exception if we stay. You know, and in my experience in my life, often people like Luke and Agnes are the exception if they go. And we kind of figure we're supposed to stay. Keith Green was suggesting perhaps we're supposed to all go and it would be an exception if we stay. Go might not be overseas to Uganda or, or to, to wherever. It might not even be outside of your church or your, or your family or your suburb. But go is to disciple. We've seen this morning that the call to missions is to disciple, to grow the kingdom of God and to grow the church. And as unlikely as you might feel that you are, he chooses you. Because his word says that he loves you. And he asks you to express that love to your fellow man. And the way that Christ loved us is to draw us into himself, to change us, like Luke was sharing, to change us and disciple us. And he does that to us so that we will go on and do the same. You are called to be a missionary. Missions is discipleship. Building his church is missions. And his church won't fail. You know, another unlikely candidate for missions was probably Peter. He probably comes to mind for you as well. You know, Peter failed badly. He he denied Christ and, and he went into so many situations mouth first and made so many blunders. And yet what did Jesus say to Peter? You're a rock and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You know, sometimes we feel like that missions and the church has kind of lost its influence. That discipleship is never going to have the influence in the world. On the contrary. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And that's who we are. 
that's who you are. And that's what missions is building that. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 11, it gives us the why. Why is this important? So that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that isn't just left to people like me or Luke or Agnes or any other missionaries you know. Jesus says, I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit. It takes all kinds and all sorts. So can I encourage you to consider whether God might be speaking to you this morning? We didn't want to just do this because it's a, a cute way to draw Luke and Agnes, Agnes into our church community and service. We really believe that God wanted to share a message to you through them. Can I encourage you to pray and to ask God whether he's speaking to you this morning? Maybe you've had a nudging. Maybe you've thought, you know, maybe God wants me to step up in some area. Maybe God wants to use me. How are you building his church? Who's discipling you and who are you discipling? Is there perhaps a new step you could take? Maybe it's close within your family or your community. Maybe it is far in a place like Uganda or something like that. Is there a step that God might be challenging you to take? Maybe it's different and really radical. But maybe. Can I encourage you to pray? You know, Jesus also said in that scripture we led that we're no longer servants just watching what God's doing. You know, I don't just sit back and watch what God's doing and what happens because we don't belong to the house. Jesus said, no, you're friends. And we know that we're heirs, we're sons and daughters. We love what our Father loves. We do what our Father shows us to do. We can help. We can help One Hope Community Church expand, and that's what we're doing in Cavell and in our community ministries and through our life groups and all the things that we're doing. We can do it locally in our community and we can do it further into the whole world. You know, Caleb shared, just, just before this, Caleb shared an announcement about mentoring. Can I encourage you? That's a great first step. Get mentored by someone or mentor somebody and step into that growth process that Luke and Agnes shared with us. Changed people change people. Step into that. Can I encourage you to do that? And most of all, talk to us. Talk to Joel, talk to me, talk to one of us. If you feel like God might be calling you to something, talk to us. We would love to talk to you and help you to understand what that might look like. We'd love to see the kingdom grow um, here in Scoresby, um, in the world, in Uganda maybe, wherever it is. We want to see his kingdom come. And I believe, and I think the Bible helps us understand, that we are chosen. When Jesus Christ took up residence in our heart, we are chosen and appointed to bear fruit for him in the kingdom. We're all missionaries. I'm one, you're one. And we get an opportunity to see what that looks like. I just want to thank Luke and Agnes for sharing with us this morning. Um, thank you for sharing something of your heart. And we could talk for hours and it would go too long and you guys would all, you know, you'd be wanting your coffee by now. But thank you for sharing with us. You know, One Hope Community Church, we're committed to these guys as our missionaries. We're committed to missions, both local and far. We have been for many, many years. And we want to continue that tradition of seeing the kingdom grow right from Scoresby out to as far as we can send it and just as close as we can have it as well. You know, Luke, I wonder if you could pray with us yep. just to, uh, to close off. Sure. 
Lord God, we thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for us to save us, Lord. Um, we also thank you that um, you sent your son to disciple us. He is the great discipler. Mm. Jesus is the, the great example, the, the one who disciples us and the one we point to when we disciple others, Lord. Um, we're not just saved, but we're also discipled by Christ. Um, Lord God, I pray that one hope can be a church that is marked by, you know, discipleship um, mm. and missions to mm. others, whether that's, you know, in all the different avenues uh, that One Hope has in people's personal lives with Cavell and the, the Cavell community there or whether over in Uganda and Hope Builders, Lord, um, that, yeah, the church will just be marked with a passion to disciple others mm. in uh, following you and, and growing in you, Lord. And I pray that um, people, you'll bring opportunities into people's lives. If they don't have that currently, Lord, that you bring opportunities for people to disciple them and then and them to be able to disciple others, Lord. And that can be in so many different areas, whether it's just, you know, your own family and children or friends or co-workers or maybe overseas or in another state, Lord. We just pray, um, yeah, that you give these opportunities to people and you give them a passion and a hunger and that um, it'll be something that's, focused on you, Lord Jesus. Um, um, not that we want to look great and be performance-driven, Lord, but that we want people to come closer to you and experience mm. your love and your grace. Mm. Yeah, we pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks, Luke. And you might have noticed that um, before this, when Philippa shared with us that we didn't have an offering. And I wanted to do that now, you know, and, and I thought it would be, you know, we thought it would be really appropriate to ask you to consider uh, to make an offering to the work that Luke and Agnes are doing and that Hope Builders is doing in Uganda. We know that it's bearing fruit. We know that as we take people in to the community at Youth Support and we, we disciple them, we know that, that, it, that it bears fruit for the kingdom, but we also know that it costs. And, you know, on the bottom of the screen, you will see the information. Can I encourage you, challenge you even, to, to give to the work over there, to give to see the kingdom grow uh, and to contribute to this work. It's valuable work. We've got testimony after testimony of changed lives uh, and we see the kingdom growing and I want to be a part of that and I want to challenge you to be a part of it. So, you know, the details below tell you how to direct debit. If there are other ways you want to give, um, please feel free to contact us and if you don't get the information down on the screen, you can go to our webpage uh, and there is a giving link and you'll see there how to give. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for being part of church today. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Next week is Mother's Day. Heads up, fathers. Schools in Victoria aren't going. Your children aren't going to buy some piece of craft at a school market. So you're it. Uh, so make sure you're looking after the mothers. And we look forward to celebrating next week with mothers and also with each other as we look into what God has to say to us next week. Have a fantastic week.